Hello, Rebecca Mays here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. I want to acknowledge that this program was recorded on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. This episode of Stick Together was produced on Jaja Run Country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. It is brought to you on your local community radio station thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation. This week I spoke to Brett Edgington, Secretary of the Ballarat Regional Trades and Labour Council, about the recent announcement of the closing of the ACM printing complex at Wendery and its impact on regional media. We'll also hear from Scott Collum, an outreach organiser with the Young Workers Centre, about how apprentices are faring during the pandemic. But first, some union news. An update on the lockout at the Woolworths Distribution Centre at Wyong. Green Left Weekly reported more than 500 workers, members of the United Workers' Union, voted on August 6th to accept an improved offer from their employer and return to work. The workers had maintained a picket outside the distribution centre for almost two weeks after they were locked out on July 24th. They were demanding pay parity with workers doing the same job for the same company, less than two hours away in Sydney. The workers at Wyong, on the New South Wales Central Coast, were paid between 8% and 16% less than their Sydney counterparts. They had also called for a ratio of 80% permanent to 20% casual staff. The workers will receive increases of between 11.2 and 17.4% over three years, almost double what was offered before the lockout. The company has also agreed to the 80-20 permanent to casual ratio and given casuals the right to convert to permanent after 12 months. It has agreed to the union's demand for recognition, including paid union meetings, and agreed to paid family and domestic violence leave and natural disaster leave. In March, 87.4% of workers voted in favour of taking protected action for their claim for wage parity and informed the company on July 20 of their intention to take strike action. Robert Quick, a UWU delegate who has worked at the centre for 14 years, said this was the first time industrial action had been taken over an enterprise agreement. We've worked through the bushfires, the recent floods and now the pandemic. The company has made a lot of money from the panic buying and is spending $1 billion on automating their Sydney distribution centres. That will cost about 1,500 jobs. Mia Dabelstein, a UWU organiser, said it shouldn't be legal for workers for the same company doing the same job to be paid different amounts. It's not right that a company can build a new warehouse in a different area and employ workers on a lower wage. During the lockout, Woolworths used its Sydney distribution centres to stock the supermarkets on the central coast. It used its COVID-19 contingency plan, which it had to have in case there was an outbreak, to shut the warehouse. The plan gives them the capacity to lock out the workers but not disrupt the supply chain. After news of four workers testing positive for COVID-19 at Spotless Dandenong, Spotless laundry employees have won the right to be paid while the workplace is shut and under quarantine. Workers who refused to attend work last Wednesday and Thursday due to concerns of contacting COVID-19 will be granted paid leave for those days. In addition, every spotlight standing on worker, full-time, part-time or casual, will receive a minimum of $150 per day, 
Any spotless casual worker who is not otherwise eligible for the state and federal payment schemes, for whatever reason, will be paid by the company. Consultation with workers around safely reopening the workplace are ongoing. With the number of health workers contracting COVID-19 increasing rapidly in Victoria, it is vital that the government heed last week's call from the country's largest union, the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation, or ANMF, for paid pandemic leave to be extended to all those working in aged care who need to get tested and self-isolate if they have symptoms of COVID-19, are a close contact of someone infected with COVID-19, or are required to self-isolate or quarantine. ANMF Federal Secretary Annie Butler says paid pandemic leave must now be urgently extended to all workers in aged care. Ms Butler said this is a critical measure in preventing the further spread of COVID-19 in workplaces across the community, most particularly in nursing homes where the virus is rampant. Although we welcome these recent measures and they are definitely a great start, the government needs to go further because too many people remain without access to decent leave. The $1,500 disaster payment is only available if a worker doesn't have sick leave and has been directed by a public health official to self-isolate. This won't stop workers going to work while they're feeling unwell because they can't afford to lose pay, Ms Butler said. Equally, the Fair Work Commission's ruling to grant paid pandemic leave to direct care workers in aged care is welcome, but it only applies to approximately 10% of those workers, as the majority work under EBAs. So the same problem remains, a lack of support for aged care workers to stay home when they're feeling unwell. The system must ensure that any worker who needs to stay home because they have to self-isolate due to exposure to COVID-19 or are feeling unwell can afford to and they're not financially disadvantaged. When we know the devastating impact the virus has on older people, especially those with multiple chronic illnesses, we need to do everything possible to contain its spread. One of the most effective ways to assist containment is to introduce paid pandemic leave across the board for those working in aged care. The ANMF is calling on the federal government as a priority to introduce paid pandemic leave for all aged care workers to help combat COVID-19 and save lives. In spite of the terrible situation in the aged care sector, the Royal Freemasons in Victoria are currently reviewing their rosters in all their facilities in order to cut staff hours and staff numbers, which will result in reducing the level of quality care for the residents. This COVID-19 pandemic is the worst time to be reducing staff levels. We need the government to legislate staff to resident ratios in the private aged care sector. This is the only way we can ensure that we have adequate quality care for the residents of our aged care facilities. To sign the petition to demand staff to resident ratios, go to megaphone.org.au and search Freemasons. Educators have been on the front line of this pandemic, ensuring essential workers can go to work and our economy continues to function. But last month, the federal government singled out early educators as the one sector to lose access to JobKeeper. Instead, the government introduced a transitional payment where funding is directed to centres. This payment doesn't require any employer to pay workers a single cent of that taxpayer's funded payment. Now that stage four restrictions have been announced in Victoria. Job losses and stand downs are real concerns for hundreds of thousands of Victorian workers. Other sectors have the ability to access job keep if they are stood down from their employment. 
but early educators have no such income security. Workers in early education and care are now facing enormous uncertainty. What is required to fix this mess is a rock-solid wage guarantee that will give educators certainly they will be paid. The taxpayer funding that is being directed to these services must be tied to wages to ensure that money is passed on to workers and not kept by employers. Australia's maritime regulator has been inundated with complaints about shipping crews being forced to stay on board for months on end without any prospect of returning home, a problem complicated by COVID-19 travel restrictions. In the latest such case, Australian authorities detained a Hong Kong-flagged bulk carrier in Newcastle over claims of serious breaches of the International Convention that protects the working and living conditions of seafarers. Four other vessels have also been detained over the past month over related issues. The Maritime Union of Australia says the cases point to a broader crew change crisis that is leaving some seafarers working for more than a year without leave. Internationally, the stranding of seafarers aboard is putting tremendous strain on seafarers' mental and physical health, the MUA told a parliamentary inquiry into how COVID-19 is transforming Australia's foreign affairs, defence and trade. Fatigue, isolation, anxiety and depression is affecting a large number of these seafarers. The MUA said Australia needed to work with other countries to help fix the crisis because these ships were part of supply chains that were sustaining the Australian economy. The International Transport Workers Federation told the inquiry that globally there were an estimated 300,000 men and women being held on their ships long after their contracted periods have expired and in excess of the maximum period of 11 months as mandated under the Maritime Labour Convention. Australia is just beginning to appreciate the vulnerability of our sea trade to exhausted and traumatised seafarers carrying our exports to foreign markets, the Federation said. Since late June, the Australian Maritime Safety Authority, or AMSA, has received 55 separate complaints about potential breaches of the Convention. AMSA announced in late June that it would be flexible and allow service for up to 14 months as many countries were imposing tough border conditions during the pandemic. Labor's transport spokesperson Catherine King said the practice of forcing shipping crews to work for more than a year was not only cruel but dangerous. King called on the government to immediately form a task force to work across government and with unions, crews and companies to facilitate crew transfers as quickly and as safely as possible. An AMSA spokesperson confirmed that the authority had detained the Hong Kong-flagged Unison Jasper in Newcastle last week over potential serious deficiencies under the Maritime Labour Convention, including repatriation of seafarers. It continued to investigate those concerns. The MUA's National Secretary, Paddy Cromlin, said seven of the crew members on board the Unison Jasper had been on board for 14 months with no way to get home. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Last week, Annie spoke with regional journalist Erin Delahunty about the impact that COVID-19 is having on the regional media landscape. To recap some of the figures, in recent months we have seen more than 150 regional and community newspapers cease printing. 
Many of those papers are more than a century old. Many may never reopen. But what does this mean for the stories of regional and rural Australia, where the local paper is the heartbeat of the community, providing local news that the big cities can't and or won't provide? In Victoria, regional media company ACM announced at the end of July that it will close several of its print sites, including Ballarat's Wendery Printing Complex. The closure, scheduled for October 2nd this year, will lead to the loss of 134 jobs, including full and part-time roles. I spoke with Brett Edgington, Secretary of the Ballarat Regional Trades and Labor Council, about the announcement and its consequences for workers and the loss of media diversity. Yeah, it, it's been such a disgusting process uh, on the part of um, ACM Australian Community Media. Uh, in a couple of weeks ago, um, in what was a very busy plant uh, that prints the Age and the Bendigo Advertiser and the Barrett Courier and the Warnable Standard and, and dozens and dozens of papers across uh, regional Victoria, uh, they had a, a lunchtime Zoom meeting, um, of all things, with ACM management. Uh, where they were told that the future of their plant was under review um, and there would be uh, in inverted commas negotiation uh, about the future of uh, three plants here in Victoria. Um, so effectively, where are the other two located? Uh, there's um, Ballarat, uh, Aubrey, Wodonga uh, yep. in Victoria and in Canberra um, in the ACT. There was mm. uh, another plant that they've announced closure of. Yep. Uh, the two here, um, Effectively, at the end of the day, what the negotiation amounted to was let's talk about your redundancies. Uh, and then an email uh, went out to staff uh, last week saying the plant's closing on the 2nd of October this year uh, here in Ballarat. Uh, the future of the Aubrey Ladonga plant still, uh, they're, they're saying it's still being negotiated. Yeah. Um, but effectively, um, the ACM mastheads in regional Victoria have been told to. Uh, do deals with um, the News Corp Press in Melbourne if they wish to continue print editions of their papers. Wow. Yeah, so look for, you know, the Ballarat Courier and the Bendigo Advertiser are now negotiating with News Corp uh, to print out of Melbourne. Um, they have recently moved to a more substantial digital platform and a subscription digital model. Mm. So look, you know, I mean, the, the writing's on the wall. You can see the future when yeah. there might be a Saturday print edition. Um, or, or possibly a total digital platform. Um, mm. So you know, technically what it means is 132 jobs gone at the Royal Press plant here in Windaree, an unknown number of jobs from uh, the paper supplier to that plant, um, mm. and a considerable number of jobs to the transport company that exclusively then transported uh, the papers from the Windaree plant out into to regional Victoria and to Melbourne. But... On, on a broader scale, what it means is that smaller publications, like we have the Ballarat uh, Times here in Ballarat, there's yeah. the Ararat Advertiser, smaller community papers um, that were printed out of Wendaree um, mm. won't, won't exist as non-print editions. They don't have yeah. digital platforms uh, and they rely on a print edition. And they're, they're not going to do a deal with Murdoch and News Corp. No. Uh, to print them. So, you know, it's the end for many of them. The cynic in me says that ACM chose this time to announce the plant closure because big pandemic on yes. uh, restrictions coming in. It was just taking out the garbage. We'll make this announcement now. No one will notice. And, and on top of it, once again, the cynic in me says that um, uh, News Corp uh, announced that there would be a, a, a journalist based in Ballarat 
um, and News Corp would establish a digital platform. I think they're doing the same in Bendigo and other big regional centres. Uh, so the uh, News Corp digital platform with their regional journeys will compete with the Courier and the Bendigo Advertiser and their digital platforms. Um, so certainly for Murdoch, you know, great times. His press has just picked up the lion's share of the printing money in Victoria uh, and establishing digital platforms to compete against other regional digital platforms. Uh, and at the same time, disastrously, we've seen Channel 9 announce they're reducing their regional journalists by half. So there's 12 regional journalists in Camera Creek uh, gone here in Victoria. Uh, and even I hear from Wing TV that they're reviewing uh, the number of journalists and camera operators they've got out in the field. So, um, you know, we've seen regional journalism just smashed. For regional people, um, especially when it comes to regional local government, where we've seen, you know, so much corruption lately, so much nepotism, um, where we've seen in regional communities issues with business and, um, you know, drought and flood and fire and all that sort of thing that happens here in regional communities. It's so important for regional people to have that local news voice, um, to tell, tell them what's going on in their community. Uh, and of course, ABC is the reliable news source here in regional Victoria, so its budget smashed as well at the moment. Yep. So the only person who wins out of this is Rupert Murdoch that's uh, picked up the, the printing money. Um, and, and uh, establish digital platforms in regional Victoria to compete against the existing ones. One of the things that really concerns me about the Royal Press announcement yeah. is um, imagine in regional Victoria in mm. two or three months' time when you walk into a news agent and the only physical print paper you can buy is the Herald Sun or the Australian Financial Review. Um, as far as diversity of media voices, um, there's certainly a lot of people in our community that still rely on the paper yes. being step every morning or going to the news agent and buying a paper. I can't see them transitioning to a digital platform and the only paper that's going to be available to them is the Herald Sun and that's going to just, you know, mess with their brains. Yeah. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You just heard from Brett Edgington, Secretary of the Ballarat Regional Trades and Labour Council, speaking about the closing of the ACM printing complex in Wendery. You can support regional media by joining the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance campaign. Visit www.meaa.org forward slash campaigns forward slash our stories to find out more. Next up, You'll hear from Scott Collum, an outreach organiser at the Young Workers Centre, about his work supporting apprentices in these challenging times. Hi, Rebecca. My name is Scott. Um, I'm an outreach organiser at the Young Workers Centre. So we were set up, uh, I think it was in 2016, because young workers were getting exploited. Um, they were getting underpaid, they were vulnerable, and bosses were using it. So we were set up to be able to give these young workers a sort of help so we, we can provide any worker under the age of 30 you know, offer with free legal workplace assistance and advice to try and help that um, situation. But we don't only do that. We go out to schools to try and educate young people, you know, ranging from year levels of year 10, 11 and 12 or uni or TAFE or wherever we can go into to talk to young people just to try and educate them about their rights at work so they're aware of, you know, what a contract is or what an award is and all these things that a lot of young people is pretty daunting if you've just started your first job, what they actually are, how important they are to know them and where you can get help to make sure that your boss does the right things. So 
We also educate them so that they're empowered and can actually get the help they need. And then finally, um, we try and change things on a systematic level. And what I mean by that is just, we want to change laws so that they actually benefit young workers. So they're not constantly coming to us with problems, that those problems are actually fixed and there's laws in place to prevent people from doing the wrong things, so to speak. So we sort of try to attack it from three different angles and we do a lot of work areas and we're really our base is young workers actually speaking up and getting involved themselves and you know sort of directing what what direction i guess we go and what we want to fight for as a mm. community i guess is yeah. sort of what we do yeah yeah and um yeah can you tell me uh or can you tell us uh what's been happening with apprentices during the pandemic how have they been faring yeah what what some so, stories that you've heard yeah, so I guess like a lot of workers during this pandemic, apprentices have been pretty hard hit since since March. Um, that's sort of when COVID sort of hit Australia, I guess. Um, we've seen 28 cases come to us all through apprentices, ranging from a whole range of issues. So either it was, you know, wages were, were getting stolen or um, they were bullied or the bosses, you know, given them a, an unfair contract in light of COVID and try to push them towards signing it all all sorts of crazy things like that. And it's really just shows that these issues, when you talk to me, like, oh, how long has this been going for? They all say, oh, it's been happening for years. And this has sort of become the breaking point where they're like, they're either going to do something about it or quit, so to speak. So, yeah, we've really seen an amplification of already all these issues like that. But then um, we're also seeing apprentices get suspended. So that basically means your apprenticeship contracts gets cancelled. And then your future becomes pretty uncertain. So it's not a great situation to be in. Yeah, there isn't a retrenched uh, sort of apprenticeship program in Victoria, which is good. But their last data I, sh- I saw was about, there was about 850 retrenched apprentices in that program. So that was around in April. So it's probably more now. That's a lot of apprentices, you know, trying to re-engage with different employers. So Plus, that's uh, only in Victoria? Yeah, correct. Yep. So a lot of the work we do is only Victorian-based. So it'd probably be worse nationally and not every state would have a retrenched apprentice program either that was just something victoria did to try and help out and even then so you've got apprentices who have lost you know their second third year apprentice who've lost work and trying to re-engage you've got first years who can't start their training plan at tafe because tafes are trying to adapt to the online world and keep pushing back start dates and things like that yeah on one end you've got apprentices that can't start you've got apprentices that can't find work during their apprenticeship and you've got the amplification of, you know, pre-existing injuries. It's not an amazing situation, but <laughs> luckily there is a positive and we are doing things to try and change that. And, you know, apprentices are coming to us with these issues and trying to, you know, they're, they are empowered and they're trying to do something about it and make sure that they still get looked after throughout this time, which is good. That's positive. Something positive out of it. If you look at um, the Mitchell Institute did a report on, um, the apprenticeships and completion rates and um, commencement rates. And in March 2015 to March 2019, you saw commencement rates, so that's people starting an apprenticeship, drop 26% throughout that four or five-year period. Mm-hmm. And then completion rates, which is, you know, do apprentices last the whole three, four-year term, dropped 46% in four or five years. So oh and research is showing it's not good. And research is showing that, um, you know, it's related to mental health issues and financial issues because apprentices can be paid quite low, especially in that first, you know, first, second year phase. Um, yeah. 
so financial issues and workplace issues with their boss. So a lot of these things could be fixed through better wages and conditions, but um, you know, these, these issues aren't really being talked about, which is why it's really important that now the Young Workers Centre sort of amplifies people's voices and, you know, apprentices can actually tell people, look, I didn't get paid enough. I got treated, poor, you know, pretty bad by the boss or something like that. Yeah. But then, then hopefully we can create more of a systematic change. So then completion rates then go up and, you know, commencement rates go up and it, it not only does it help young people, it helps the future of industries as well. And if people, the future of the economy, you know, people need apprentices for the future of a lot of things. Mm. So yeah, it's really important that we invest, invest into it now for a better society tomorrow. The Young Workers Centre and the Migrant Workers Centre are doing great work in supporting many who are particularly struggling during this time. If you're in Victoria, you can contact the Young Workers Centre on 1800 714 745 or the Migrant Workers Centre on 03 9659 3516. Before we finish, I wanted to share a couple of other ways you can take action. The Australian Unemployed Workers Union has called for strike action after the federal government reinstated its mutual obligation rules for those receiving job seeker in every state and territory except Victoria. To find out how you can support unemployed workers who are being bullied by job service providers, visit the AUWU Facebook page. A couple of weeks ago, we played a clip from the launch of the Living Income for Everyone campaign. The campaign has urged endorsing organisations and individuals to prepare for a week of action across Australia from the 17th to the 24th of September. For more information, visit the Living Incomes for Everyone Facebook page. Students have called for a National Day of Action named Build Our Future, Climate Justice and Jobs on Friday, September 25th. Find out how you can continue to fight for climate justice during the pandemic by visiting www.schoolstrikeforclimate.com forward slash build our future. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening and thanks to Brett Edgington and Scott Collum for taking the time to talk. Also, thank you to my 93-year-old grandma for helping read the news. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377 and leaving us a message. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. I'm Rebecca Mays. Catch you next time.